Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Once again, thank you for tuning in and thank you for supporting me and believing me, believing in me and the, the good cause. I'd like to give a shout out as well to my sponsors, uh, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, Thread Wallets, uh, Mori Nutrition, and then the music you're hearing at the beginning and the end of this podcast is by my good friend Paul Cardall. He's an award-winning pianist, uh, an amazing man, and so thank you for letting us use your music, Paul. And uh, today we're, we're joined by one of the best embodiment coaches on the planet, Ajaya <laughs> Summers. Ajaya, thanks for being here. Oh, totally my honor to be here with you, Todd. Yeah, well, I'm excited uh, to get to know you better and also to talk about all this amazing things that you're doing. Um, I'm going to give a little background. I won't share the whole thing because you're doing so much. I don't know if I can say it all, but we'll get it from you as well. But uh, you're a gifted teacher, a podcaster, a public speaker, a creative catalyst in the field of psycho-spiritual somatic integration. That's a tongue twister, but we're going to talk more about that. For the last 28 years, Ajay has been instrumental in facilitating a conscious conscious evolution in thousands of people's lives. You know, and I've I've been following you for a while ever since Susan uh, connected us, and you have the perfect voice for what you do. <laughs> it's so soothing. It is so meditative. It is so powerful at the same time, if you will. I'm, I'm sure people have told you that before, but you just have this energy about you that's just so safe and calm and soothing. Has people told you that before? Uh, I suppose maybe once or twice, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you're also the founder of a unique somatic discovery process called Core Embodiment. Um, we're going to get more into that, um, you know, basically how to, t- you know, tap into the power of our human potential. Uh, you deal with people who struggle with all kinds of things, especially trauma. And uh, you talk about the power of the mind and belief systems. And so there's just so much to talk about. So, guys, we're in for a treat today. Um, why don't we start uh, a little bit about your childhood and maybe where you grew up? Sure. Thank you. Um, you know, I had kind of an unusual, I would say, upbringing. Um, by the time I was five or six, my mom uh, had divorced my my birth, my biological father. Okay. And she, um, actually way early on, but she had, by the time I was five or six, remarried. And my mom and my stepdad were Sufi ministers, and we moved to upstate New York, and they were very involved with a community, a Sufi community in the Berkshire Mountains. Um, So very formative time in my early development was spent there. Um, So very spiritual community, uh, you know, very small kind of subculture. And so I wasn't very exposed to the more dominant culture, Um, you know, private school. uh, So, yeah, I think that that had on the one hand, that was a beautiful privilege and and blessing of my life to have such a a spiritual and, you know, just very much supported as a soul. Um, 
But then, of course, it's been challenging in my life to figure out how to be human and be in the world and how to be in the culture, but not of the culture. Gotcha. Wow. Did you have, do you have siblings? Yeah, I have. Well, I have three younger half brothers. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're the oldest trying to keep them all in line. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're doing all right on their own, but yeah, I, I suppose, I suppose earlier on. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're, like we said, you're doing a lot of great things now and you do a lot of, uh, you know, we're going to get into the embodiment stuff that you do, but were you, were you like you are now, were you kind of like that way as a child where you're this kind of connected with your soul as you talk about and just, were you like that as a younger child or was it completely opposite and you had to figure this out because of a struggle or, you know, tell us a little bit about who you were back then. Well, I remember as a child, I would be introduced as an old soul, you know? Um, So I think, yes, I think I was always connected. Um, I don't ever remember having some kind of, you know, basic rupture between my heart, my deeper sense of self, whereas most people do go through um, some kind of, you know, what the Hopi would call the sacred wound, some kind of early rupture. Mm. Um, I think that my journey is is unique in that way. Not that I certainly didn't have my share of developmental trauma and just, you know, being here on the planet and yeah. being in a body. But I think comparatively, um, that was unique in my experience. And then again, I think my family was very interested in in encouraging and supporting and celebrating who I was more on a soul level than a conditioning level. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, I mean, you know, old soul makes a lot of sense, you know, based on the stuff that I've watched of yours and listened of yours. And you, you said something I want to go back to, because I, I want our listeners to understand this a little deeper. You called it the sacred wound, mm. right? Talk about what you meant by that, because I think our listeners will really benefit from that because I, I, I know what I think you're talking about, but it would be great to hear what, what that means and, and maybe shed some light on that for us. Sure. Um, well, that term, the sacred wound, comes from the Hopi tradition. Mm-hmm. And they have an understanding that generally early in life, we all have some kind of experience, um, a quality of a, of a rupture of our intrinsic trust with mm-hmm. ourselves with God, or usually it's happening in the relational field. So it's also in relationship to other in, you know, psychology, we would call that developmental trauma. There's Mm -hmm. something that occurs or doesn't occur. Sometimes developmental trauma isn't just what happened to you, but it's what didn't happen for you. And so the way we're being shaped through, you know, I think of it like as little beings, we come in connected to source, connected to who we are, connected to our bodies. And we're basically saying, you know, here I am, celebrate me, see me, play with me. And we send out our signals. And, you know, I think we've all inherited a degree of intergenerational trauma and ancestral trauma. And so our, it's not necessarily our parents' fault, but they're doing the best they can based on what they were given. So a lot of times those signals are not met. And if they're not met um, to the point where there's abuse or there's severe abandonment or severe isolation or um, some kind of actual violation, 
we tend to split from ourselves, from our body, from our hearts, from our desires, from our needs, really from who we are on a core level, and we dissociate. And so that's a more, you know, elaborate way of describing the sacred wound. And then most of us spend our lives, you know, if you're on a path of of awakening and, and recovery, as you call it, you know, we spend our lives trying to come back home to who we actually are. And things like addictions, you know, are great ways to deal with the pain or to try to cope with the pain of that original uh, wound or splitting from self. Ooh, very well said. Beautifully said. It, it hit me because one of the best definitions I've ever heard of depression in my field and with, you know, the, with the mentors I've had in my life, I heard this and I thought, wow, this makes so much sense is depression is pretending to be someone you're not. Mm. And and I would love to hear your thoughts on that because man, when I heard that the first time, I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense to me. I may not be able to fully explain it when I first heard it, but I thought, man, that makes a lot of sense. And you you were just talking about coming back to who you really are again. What what do you think of that? Does that ring true to you as well? Absolutely, I love that definition. Yeah. Um, and I think in my own life, the times where maybe I felt on the depressive side of my mental health, you know, that, that there's truth to that. Um, and I was just thinking this morning, you know, it's like our culture, I think preys on this. So, so what can often come out of that core wound, that core, um, leaving of self is that we internalize a sense of deficiency. You know, something's wrong with me, something's lacking, something's missing. It's my fault. And so then our culture preys on that and that we feel we have to prove ourselves, prove our value, prove our worth. Mm-hmm. And it's all caught up in self-images and, you know, prestige and accolades and what we call success. It's all external ways we're giving our sense of self and power away, right, to what other people think, to what other people say. Um, and so, of course, you're going to end up feeling like you're pretending you're some, yeah. you know, imposter. Yeah, um, man, there's so much I want to talk about because, you know, I think before I ask this next question, because it's going to get into what you do, you know, I think people hear embodiment coach and they go, oh, yeah, I've heard that before, but I don't know if they even understand what that even means. Do you mind explaining that too? So we have a better understanding of exactly what that is and and kind of what you do. Sure. Um, I'll do my best to (laughs) to give a definition. (laughs) Um, you know, I mean, to embody is essentially defined as, you know, taking an idea, taking a, something in the invisible and making it a reality, right? So we all have lots of ideas, but to embody them is to live them, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's a, a tangible project or, you know, something you're actualizing. You're, but I think embodiment and being an embodiment coach is really about, to me, we have these three centers. We have a gut brain, we have a heart brain, we have a head brain. These are our three main biological oscillating centers in which we we perceive reality, we experience reality. And these three centers are designed to be in communication or coherence. To me, embodiment is actually occupying those three centers. So in our Western culture, most of us 
are trained uh, to largely live out of our heads. And again, our culture largely praises knowledge and, you know, science and head-based, quote, intelligence. And, you know, if you grew up in a culture like Japan or somewhere where martial arts is honored, you might have a relationship with your hara, with your gut brain and more of your instinctual wisdom, right? Um, Or if you grew up in somewhere like India, you might have more of a relationship with your heart. So I think to me in our modern world, I really feel to be an embodied leader is to fully occupy those those three seats of conscious Mm -hmm. awareness and not just live from your head or your heart or your gut. We really need all three. Um, and so that does go, you know, more in depth in the work that I do, but that's kind of my redefinition of embodiment. It's not just about being in your body. It is also, of course, you know, utilizing the intelligence of your brain and your heart, uh, and your instinctual center. Love that. So like when someone says, man, I have a gut feeling that this is, I shouldn't do this or it's wrong or whatever it may be. I shouldn't go down Mm -hmm. this path. Mm -hmm. Is that is that part of that gut brain you're talking about where that gut instinct is telling you, Hey, wake up, don't go down this road. I'm trying to tell you, trying to help you kind of thing. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And I love how um, Gabor Mate talks about this in his own way, where he says, you know, if you're, if you were left in the wild for a day or even some hours, um, if you did not listen to your gut wisdom, you'd be in big trouble. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it's, it's very primary and pr- a primal part of our relationship actually to being on the earth and being in relationship with other people, with making wise decisions, um, having discernment. Mm. Um, it's that very like primal yes or no. Yeah, okay. Am I moving towards something that's nourishing for me or not? And so your head can have all these ideas to try to talk yourself out of why you should do something or why you shouldn't, right? Yeah. But the body, generally, there's an immediate yes or no. Right. Beautiful. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. That's awesome. You know, I, uh, uh, Gabe or I, uh, his book, uh, The Myth of Normal, I just started reading that. I'm about two chapters in and I'm just blown away already. I'm like, yeah. holy cow, this guy, wow. I mean, on another level, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's amazing. So um, jumping back uh, of another thing you said, um, you talked about worth and what our worth is. I mean, I'm sure you deal with clients all the time who they show up, they, you know, day one, if you will, and are like, man, I don't, I just think I'm less than, I'm not good enough. I'm broken. I, you know, whatever the narrative may be, talk about what is our worth and how do you deal with someone who really struggles with worth for them to actually see that the worth is there? Yeah. You know, I have to say, Todd, that that is pretty much like the number one narrative. Yeah. Underneath all narratives and all all suffering and experiences, I really feel like that's the one that I see most regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just this morning I was in a meditation and I was noticing how just in my own life, the fullness of, of life every day, the accelerated times we're in, 
the many opportunities and decisions and things that I'm, I'm personally fielding and we're all fielding. And I was watching how through my own practice, slowly, I was like, you know, removing my consciousness off of all these external sort of objects of attention and coming back home to my core to the point where I, I could fill up again with just feeling me here in the simplicity of my own presence. And I'm sharing this because this is essentially what I do with people is, is give them an experience, guide them into an experience they can feel that's not so much about what they think about themselves or how other people perceive them, but it's a feeling experience that they can tangibly allow to, to fill up with. It's like filling up with who you are, not what you do or how people see you or how much money you have or, you know, whatever the, the external reflections. Um, So to give people a tangible experience of that, it really depends, you know, if I'm working with someone individually, it depends on them and finding that pathway that they can actually kind of walk on. It's, it's unique for, I think, each person. Yeah. Wow. I love that. You know, one of the things I try to do with my clients is, you know, I kind of dumb it down for me and my clients (laughs) where it's, you know, who, who, who was I when I was a little kid, you know, what, what are the characteristics of that child kind of thing? And, and it's, I, I really believe we don't lose that. We just forget that they're there. And if I'm understanding correctly, it's kind of what you do is you help people tap back into that. It's not childish, but childlike state again. Is that accurate on some level? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the sense of our intrinsic, our innate innocence, Yeah. who we were prior to any kind of sense of feeling broken or ruptured, our trust ruptured, who that original kind of blueprint of, of who you are, uh, essentially. So there's a childlike innocence, but it's also uh, who you are as a soul. Gotcha. Or another way is just, you know, your presence. Yeah. Yeah. You're just your presence. It's nothing external. Like you were talking about It's It's, it's internal. It's already there. It's built in us. It's in our DNA. It's, it's who we are to our core, right? right. It's what's looking out through your eyes right now yeah. and hearing through your ears and beating your heart and breathing your lungs. Wow. I love that. I, there was a quote by Eckhart Tolle where he says, um, we are the universe inside of a human body for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. That, that's, when you look at it, if you really kind of contemplate that, that's powerful, right? And what a beautiful reminder, you know, how precious this short period of time is. Right. In a, in a, in a human birth and body. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about your, your, your discovery process, you know, your core embodiment and maybe just kind of explain what that is. Maybe tell our listeners kind of what you do on a daily basis, who your clients are, that kind of thing. And, ultimately kind of what you're trying to accomplish with all of this. Mm -hmm. 
Those are big questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as I can be. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, well, so I notice a lot of my clients are people who have already been on, you could say, the spiritual path. You know, they're already people who are interested in waking up to, you know, who am I? Uh, how do I live my greatest potential? How do I self-actualize? You know, these kinds of people. Um, so I would say some of those people have been on what I call like an ascension journey where they've used spirituality to bypass their humanity. And so, meaning they, they've used spirituality as a way to avoid feeling and having a relationship with their needs and their biological intelligence. So again, another version of living in the head, only maybe through more of a spiritual uh, frame. Okay. So for those people, it's a lot about bringing them through a kind of descension process of reclaiming a relationship with their needs, their feelings, their body sensations, um, these more sort of vulnerable, uh, intimate terrain of the human experience, right? Wow. Um, then there's people who I would say in my practice who have high level of trauma, who much more like complex trauma, mm -hmm. and they're very dissociated. And so for them to feel and be here at all, it usually is a longer process of, you know, and those people, you know, I work a lot with um, touch, whether it's being in person with people and bringing in my own touch, but I can also teach people practices where they touch themselves right. so they can feel themselves and develop a loving relationship with touching themselves. And that can be really supportive when someone's very dissociative and ungrounded. Um, so there's kind of a spectrum, you know, I mean, I would say the majority of my people are kind of higher level, higher functioning humans who are therapists and doctors and, um, in the, in the, you know, service professional space themselves, and maybe they're going for a deeper level of integration, um, and refinement and embodiment of the things they already know, but they don't feel they're fully living. Um, or maybe they have challenges in their relationships and their capacity to, you know, skillfully communicate themselves or, um, you know, be available for more intimacy and that kind of thing. Um, then <clears throat> I would say with pretty much everybody, I'm going to bring in uh, some somatic practices where, again, we work with touch. Sometimes we work with sound because sound is uh, one of the most powerful ways to permeate or penetrate dense tissue. And a lot of times in that early trauma we were talking about, we develop um, sort of protections or a defense system to protect our heart, to protect our more vulnerable younger parts that survived that. Right. Yeah. And it lives in the body and it lives in the nervous system. Yeah. So what I find is that people can't just through talk therapy, dissolve that defense system. Often it needs, it needs a co-regulatory um, shared space a corrective kind of co-regulatory shared space and also bringing in touch, bringing in sound, we can pattern interrupt the normal way we breathe. And for most people, 
we are continuing to maintain that defense system through our breath pattern. And so sound is basically an audible exhale. And so we can increase our capacity to breathe in when we work with long, um, elongated sound exhales. Then there's more room to breathe in. You know, we're tonifying the vagus nerve. All kinds of great things are happening um, that, again, take you below the realm of just the mind. And and it drops people into more of a feeling experience in their bodies. Um, Love that. It sounds amazing what you do. It sounds like just these enlightenment moments for 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 not only you and your clients. And um, is is that something where I mean, do you ever like I don't know, pinch yourself sometimes, going, man, I I get to do this. I get to help people in this area. I mean, obviously, it seems like you were born to do this feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of an unusual path. Um, you know, yeah, I think I've just always had a fascination with what are we and what are we made of and what is the purpose and what is our potential? And um, I do think we're in an interesting time on the planet and just phase of evolution where there's so much more um, technology and AI and sort of externalizations, the speed in which we're, our attention is kind of out, 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 that right. I think these kinds of practices are really important in this time to support people in staying connected to the earth, to biological intelligence, um, and to these deeper wisdom centers that are actually how we were designed to live from. Right. Um, so it is a privilege to kind of, you know, have that stand. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, so you help a lot of people and um, you're doing a lot of good out there. Like we said, you know, you're a teacher, you're a podcaster, you're a public speaker as well. And you're, you're, you're doing a lot of great things. What do you do for you? What does your day look like for you? Like, how do you keep yourself centered? What are, what are some, or maybe your, you know, morning routines or daily practices that kind of help you kind of keep your feet grounded, if you will? Because again, helping people, because that's what I do. It can get exhausting at times. It can be overwhelming at times. How do Mm. you, what does your day look like for you? Thanks for that question, Todd. Um, Well, I do find that waking up and having, I basically, I do the practice I teach. So core embodiment is a practice that again, uh, works with the gut brain, the heart brain and the head brain. And so there's three sounds and basically I'm, there's, there's three sounds I work with to bring my attention fully into those centers. There's also a movement practice that's connected to the way we developed as embryos. So it's a, it's kind of like our native um, language. The first language was movement, was a breathing motion. So there's something for me in connecting with that, seating myself in that, um, running myself through the practice. Originally, it came to me um, when I was starting to write my book about seven years ago as a way to get out of my own way and clear my channel and receive fresh information. And so I really use it the same way now. 
um, in the morning, I just, you know, have pen and paper nearby and dive into the practice and I get inspiration. I get ideas. Things come through. I write them down. Um, so I might have my schedule for the day, but I'm also receiving fresh inspiration that feels like guidance to follow through. And I think for me, a lot of staying centered has to do with staying connected to my inspiration. Mm. Um, like my why of what, what's behind what I'm doing and, mm. and having it be fresh, having those new impulses and new ideas or new, you know, directives that I'm, I feel like I'm being guided to do. Um, so then from my practice, I usually do some kind of yoga or go to the gym or go swim at the beach. Um, part of it for me is living in Hawaii. It has been a game changer because yeah. there's just, you know, a different pacing here and obviously a lot of nature to entrain with. What island are you on? Maui. Maui. Okay. My family and I just, uh, we went to Kauai uh, back in August. I've never been to any of the islands ever. And that was my uh-huh. first experience and it was amazing. I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. I, my favorite part of the whole thing was getting up early enough to go see the sunrise right where the waves were crashing into these lava rocks and stuff. It was like, wow, this place is amazing. Yeah. It's a, it's, there's nowhere else like it. You know, it's a special place. I'm glad you got to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that suits you perfectly, honestly, that you're in Maui. (laughs) Makes sense. Well, you know, I was in the Bay area most of my life and that's moved from here and which is a beautiful place too. Um, But yeah, there's just like a speed that is easy to entrain with. And I feel like, yeah, in your question, part of staying connected to myself is about staying connected to my pacing, Um, the pacing of my nervous system, the pacing of the speed I literally need to live my life at to stay present with myself. Okay. You know, if I get going too fast and there's too many things on the plate, I can start to disconnect and um, doesn't, doesn't bode well. Right. So um, another question I have for you, you know, you really help people awaken and align to the power of their potential, if you will. How would you describe what human potential is? Well, on one level, I think we don't know. Like, we are still evolving as a species. And so it's kind of an exciting frontier. Like, Mm -hmm. um, we're not done. We're not done in terms of how our brains are developing. You know, there's so much right now in the field of longevity medicine and biohacking and different ways people are exploring um, the process of aging. the process of, you know, just literally our physical, mental, emotional capacities. There's, I mean, I think this is kind of the exciting end of the advances in technology that um, there's also a lot of devices and, and, and tech, tech space things that are also supporting our potential. Um, so on one level, I think it's just this, this frontier of who knows the limit, like we'll, we'll see where, what the potential is of, you know, what we're capable of, what we're, um, but on a, on a really practical grounded day-to-day level, I think what I'm referring to there is just 
each of us has a unique, I think, self-actualization. I, I kind of like part part of in the six month course I teach is I take people through almost like we're reclaiming our developmental journey. And I sort of combine some of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and um, this body of work called NARM that I studied where we work with developmental needs and also Marshall Rosenberg's um, nonviolent communication where he works with needs. And so one of the needs in that, in that journey is to self-actualize. And so that potential in each of us is, I think of it more like we each have a unique dharma based on, you know, your particular early wounding and trauma and life experience. I think the journey of a lifetime is ultimately to make medicine of it and have it be of service to others. So I imagine like in your case, you know, I don't know your whole story, but I know you had a time where you were in, in an addiction actively, and then you had a recovery and then you're fully recovered and you're now about supporting other people to be recovered. And, you know, so there was a journey that, you know, a trajectory and a journey in your own life of you self-actualizing based on what you, what you lived through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beautifully said. I love that. So, you know, you handle kind of almost anyone. I mean, like what's your typical client, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like who comes to you typically? Is it someone who's had trauma or is it a wide range of things of, that people have gone through that are just coming to connect and what have you? What, what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, I, it's interesting. A lot of my clients are therapists um, or doctors or people, again, in the healthcare field who seem to be interested in, you know, like who've already done a lot of work, but are interested in a deeper level of integration or refinement or, again, embodiment. You know, they know the stuff. They're trained. They're schooled. They've got the knowledge but maybe they're aware they're not fully embodying it in their life. There's some breakdown, uh, whether it's their health or their intimate relationships or even their business. Um, there's some, some gap between what they know and what they're living. So to me, that's an indication. There's an embodiment piece, right? Um, so that, I would say that's the majority of my clientele. Although again, I do have people, um, that I work with more in person or like in an immersion who might have more severe trauma that let's say has to do with, it's kind of funny. I'm not like super public about this, but sometimes I, I say like I'm a surrogate mother because I seem to attract um, especially men, but women too, who have um, mother wounding, you know, who just didn't have the mothering they needed. And so they have a lot of, um, yeah, again, self, self-worth self issues. Yeah. Um, and so I find that that work can be done online, but being in person and having, again, that co-regulatory shared system and having hands-on and eye contact and skin contact and all of that, yeah. it's almost like we create the corrective environment of what they never got. And I think because of my training and my background and understanding of perinatal psychology and all these things, there's just some way that there's a lot of nuances there um, that I can basically like 
we create a new experience that they never had and that they've been looking for. And then it's almost like the nervous system can settle because it got what it was finally looking for. Yeah. And some of these individuals, you know, they're in their late seventies or early eighties, or, you know, they've lived a long time, yeah. um, but they're still suffering on some level from feeling a closure that happened really early on. Yeah. And they just know like before I die, I've got to, I've got to heal this. Yeah. Wow. I was smiling when you were saying that, that, you know, people who have had trouble maybe on the mom side of things really connect with you. It doesn't surprise me again, because like we said at the beginning, you know, you're, you, you, you're very, you know, you, you feel safe. You have a calming voice about you. Um, the energy that you kind of portray, even what I'm feeling here, just talking to you via, you know, on the computer, um, I can feel it. And it's pretty amazing. It's a gift that you have, obviously. And it's pretty cool that you found it and that you are sharing it with the world, if you will. Mm, thank you so much, Todd. I really appreciate that yeah. um, reflection. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, you know, I would love to be on the level you are, but I do feel like I can read people. I read people's energies. Um, you know, when my clients come in, man, I can tell right away they're, you know, they're in a bad place or, or things are going really well for them or what have you. And, and uh, yeah, it's just cool to, to feel your energy here. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah. If, if there's someone right now who's listening to your voice, who's struggling, they're in a dark place. They're, they're not quite sure what to do. And they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're struggling. You've already shared some really powerful things, but what could you tell that one person right now who might be listening to you? Who's going, man, I'm in a bad place and I'm not sure what to do. Mm. I think just to not give up to turn that struggle and angst into a prayer. Mm. And, um, you know, it's like in truth, we're never alone. This is a, um, you could say like a very conscious universe that we live in. And I think part of the nature of really struggling and being in a dark place is that inherently we feel isolated. Um, so, I'd say, you know, reach out to a friend, a family member, a therapist, you know, reach out, like break through that isolation. Um, And if for some reason you can't do that, like pray. (laughs) And if you don't believe in God, you know, I'd say um, go sit in nature because to me, you don't really need a religion or some external God. If you sit in nature, you're going to see the sacred and experience the sacred. And it will remind you that you're a part of that. Um, If you just sit and gaze at the ocean or a lake or the stars, or even just watching the wind in the trees, you know, I think that struggle that a lot of people feel these days is also part of a cultural context that we're so entrained with, um, technology and screens and self images. And, you know, we, again, we've lost connection to our true nature, which is nature. And usually people, if they saturate themselves in nature and also some kind of loving company, 
they're going to start to remember themselves. Beautifully said. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. You know, I heard it once said, we, you know, we used to look up for inspiration and now we're all looking down. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so I love your, that's beautiful advice for anyone who's struggling. And, and I appreciate that. If, if someone listening to you right now wants to get to know you better, um, look into your core embodiment program, uh, and they want to, you know, listen to your podcast or get your book or, you know, any of that stuff, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you to get those things and to connect with you? Yeah. Um, my website is just my name. So A-J-A-Y-A-S-O-M-M-E-R-S.com. And, uh, you know, I am a little bit, I'm not like a huge social media person, but I do get on Instagram and Facebook a bit, um, and LinkedIn, but yeah, I would say my website, just reach out to me. You know, I'm also, uh, we'll do, you know, like a free 30 minute consult with people to see if I can support them. Yeah. Beautiful. And I'll put the, I'll put all your links in the show notes too. So people can just link right to you when, when they're listening to this and, and, and uh, be able to connect with you that way. And um, anyone listening to this can also reach out to me and I'll get you connected with, with Ajaya and uh, to see all the great things she's doing. And I love, I don't know, this has been a great interview. Um, very, I feel really peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I really do. And I don't, I, I don't say that lightly. I really mean that. Like I really do feel calm and and I, I, I can see why you're so good. You know, Susan, we talked about our mutual friend that connected us. She, I mean, she talked my ear off for a minute about you and it was just uh-huh. like on and on. And, you know, you're kind of going, oh yeah, I'm sure she's great. And then, but now I can see why. And um, I, I just can't thank you enough for spending some time out of your busy schedule to be on my show. It's truly an honor. I, I did a post today about my show, which has been going on seven years now. Mm. We're ranked in the top 100 in mental health. We got... 500,000 followers and listeners. And the reason why, like it's when Isaac Newton penned in a letter in 1675, if I've been able to see a little further, it's by standing on shoulders of giants. And thank you, Ajaya, for letting us stand on your shoulders for this hour to be able to see a little further and to understand a little bit more, especially with our potential and who we really are and our worth. Mm. And that's what I felt today. So thank you so much. Oh gosh, Todd, it's really my pleasure and honor and privilege and what a, what a joy to meet you and be with you. And, um, may this time together ripple out as a, as a blessing in all directions to, to all beings everywhere, that that all beings everywhere can really feel our, our intrinsic wholeness and, and inherent worth. Wow. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you. And uh, folks for tuning in. Um, I told you today was going to be a great, great episode and it did not uh, disappoint whatsoever. Um, please reach out to Ajaya, ajayasummers.com. I'll, again, it'll be in the show notes, link up to her, see what she's doing, check out her program. And uh, if you're struggling, she'd be a great resource for you. And uh, if you have someone, you know, in your family who's struggling who you're not sure how to even connect with them because, you know, that can be awkward sometimes. Give them a link to this episode, have them listen to Ajaya and it will help break the ice. And then you can go follow back up and say, Hey, 
what you think of the episode, and then it'll open up a conversation. So please do that. Again, thanks for believing in me. Thanks to my sponsors. And Ajaya, one last uh, thank you to you. You're the best. And uh, thank you, Todd. All the goodness and energy in in Maui. We're going (laughs) to, you need to send some our way, if you will. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So thank you for being here. Oh, my, my pleasure, truly.